This week's TribCast is sponsored by Educate Texas delivers creative solutions to key educational challenges throughout the state. Learn more at edtx.org. And UT Dallas is the third highest ranked public university in Texas by U.S. News and World Report. Surprised? Find out more at utdallas.edu. Hello and welcome to the Texas Tribune Tribcast. I'm Matthew Watkins, Managing Editor of News and Politics for the Tribune. It is May 19th, 2023, and we are in the week that we saw our summer plans start to crumble, or maybe our our fall plans, as the House seemed to, as hopes seemed to kind of fade away that a school choice bill would pass the House, and expectations seemed to grow that Governor Greg Abbott would find that unacceptable and call a special session to get them to try again. Uh, joining us this week to discuss those developments are our K twelve K through twelve reporter Brian Lopez. Hey Brian, hey, how are you doing? And uh, Paul uh, politics reporter Patrick Svita. Hey Patrick, hey there. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. All right, so Brian, uh, the Senate passed its school choice bill in April, sending over a measure that included provisions from Florida's similar to Florida's don't so-called don't say gay bill and you know maybe even more headlining allowing parents to access education savings accounts that used eight thousand dollars in taxpayer money per student to pay for homeschooling uh private school tuition or a few other things uh similar to that the bill sat in the house committee for over a month but the action really began to pick up last week can you just kind of catch us up on what has happened since then and, and, and where we are now with that bill? Yeah, so, you know, that that first kind of iteration of uh, Senate Bill 8, 8, SBA was very universal in its scope, uh, you know, virtually, you know, every upwards of 5 million Texas kids and, and including, you know, the hundreds of thousand homeschoolers that we have in the state would be able to kind of access this pot of money um, to pay, you know, for private school or whatever other educational expenses would have been approved. And that was really the proposal, I think, you know, that Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick and, and of course, Governor uh, Abbott was, was really behind this universal uh, kind of uh, voucher programs. And, you know, but the hurdle was always, we kind of knew it was always going to be in the House, uh, which uh, traditionally, historically has always kind of been against um Anything that, you know, is going to give uh, taxpayer money to private schools, whether you want to call it, you know, a traditional voucher, educational, you know, program, a tax credit, anything, you know. Um, so basically, that was going to be over the hurdle. So, you know, it took them a month to actually bring something to the House Education Committee. Um, and, you know, it once we saw what that was, it was a completely revamped uh, bill uh, from what Creighton originally, you know, passed in the Senate. Um uh, it included things like getting rid of the star. It included things like, you know, uh, taking away certain graduation requirements for high schoolers. Um, and, you know, it was really an effort to try to sway those House members, you know, especially, you know, those uh, kind of uh, Democrats and Republicans who also have kind of been opposed to the star test, uh, you know, and, and the star is a highly debated kind of um uh, topic in in the House committee every session. Uh, so, you know, it was really a way for, you know, Buckley, uh, the chair Buckley, uh, to kind of see where he can gather some votes, um, you know, and that one, it it, it kind of tailored 
tail back a little bit the eligibility too. Uh, so it wouldn't be as universal. I think, you know, still most of Texas students would be eligible for this one, um, you know, would be uh, economically disadvantaged students, uh, mainly, and, and those that, you know, have a disability and, and attended a DRF campus. And, and, you know, he quickly found out that that was not going to uh, also uh, ga gather enough votes. And so he cobbled up something, even another iteration of this bill, which was way more restrictive in, in eligibility. It would only apply to those students with um, disabilities and those that attended an F campus, really, and, and siblings. And, and, and so it was really a really scaled back uh, approach now with those star exams and things like that. But then, you know, uh, I don't know. We, we don't really know what Buckley thought this was going to be the one to get those votes. But then, you know, Abbott really just threw blew up his whole plan by, you know, uh, this past weekend on Sunday saying, you know, if this he, he's going to veto this bill. Um, and then, you know, how that's when you have, you know, uh, uh, Chair Buckley telling us, you know, having doubts that he doesn't even think that he should bring this up in committee anymore because of that. Threat. So that's where we stand right now. It's, you know, tomorrow is the deadline. And right now we haven't heard of any plans for the education committee uh, in the House to even meet again. Uh, so that begs, you know, the question here too, you know, hearing from other lawmakers in the House that, you know, they think that they're going to be back in the fall uh, because, uh, you know, nothing got passed on school choice this session. So that's kind of like a quick wrap up of, of where we at. And, you know, it also... You know, as, as we mentioned, uh, it, we'll see how negotiations take place, too, in the last kind of week. You know, we don't we know that nothing is ever really dead, uh, uh, you know, until lawmakers kind of leave town. So we'll see if anything kind of changes. But, um, uh, you know, it's still the House remains that biggest kind of hurdle there. And we'll also see, you know, with other school bills that the house wants to pass right you know they have a big funding bill that's in the senate that's been stuck in committee uh so that's another you know bill to kind of watch out for and see if you know that's included in negotiations with with school choice so um we'll see what the next kind of 10 days uh holds for us yeah yeah you know um brad buckley the the representative who chairs the the public education committee as you mentioned um, has it seemed to really be in sort of in between a rock and a hard place, right? So he brought in that slightly toned down version, as you mentioned, the the where the people eligible for the the vouchers or the education savings account, depending on you know your political leanings, what you call it, um, being as you said economically disadvantaged or or students in schools that are graded a D or F on the accountability scale that was a pretty large amount of students though right because 60% of of students in Texas are economically disadvantaged um, a smaller number of course attending those DNF schools there was also i think a provision for school choice but the house sent i think you know, maybe not a crystal clear message, but a a message that they didn't like that bill when they essentially voted to deny the public education committee the ability to meet to vote out that bill on, on kind of a last minute meeting. They didn't necessarily state their reason for doing so as saying, you know, we don't support this bill. They said it was kind of moving a little bit too quickly. But, um, you know, I think still sort of a message there. So it ties, tries to tone it down significantly. We, we all kind of see that as an attempt to get something that actually could get through the house. And then Abbott comes out, you know, before it's even brought up in committee comes out and says that he'll veto that bill. Patrick, I mean, that was 
um, a pretty big move by Abbott. I don't recall him ever coming out and basically saying he'll call a special session like this before the session has even ended. Am I am I missing an example? Yeah, I think it was unprecedented in, in two ways for Abbott. I don't recall a previous time where he has publicly issued a veto threat at the height of negotiations like this. I, I guess maybe you could dispute whether we're at the height of negotiations, but yeah. um, you know, but you know, in the in the heat of the moment like this. And then number two, yeah, I don't recall, you know, a time previously where he's threatened a special session so publicly and openly while the regular session is still underway. Um, I think in the past, you know, there's certainly been speculation that he's looking toward a special session privately behind the scenes. Uh, but for him to just come out and say it as governor, um, you know, at this point, at this late stage in a regular session, I also think is unprecedented. I'd have to check all of our, our clips and everything. So yeah, it was a very, uh, you know, very remarkable statement by Abbott. Yeah, I mean, in, in Brian, it kind of seems as though Buckley has sort of thrown his arms up into the air at this point, right? I mean, uh, he 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 didn't tell you specifically that he's he's giving up on the bill, but we have not seen anything publicly to indicate that you know before the deadline to vote bills out of committee, which is Saturday tomorrow, the twentieth, that he's really throwing out any other proposals, right? I mean. Anything can happen in the ledge, but it's certainly not looking good. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, it, it gives you, I think, the fact that, you know, it's not like he can bring up Creighton's original universal kind of bill and try to get past that because that's just not even the most scaled down version with these provisions of getting rid of the star, which a lot of people want to get rid of on the education committee, like a lot yeah. of people want to get rid of it. And they're still saying no. I think that for him, it, it must be one of those things where it's like, yeah, like what else can I do to push this through? Um, and, and, you know, we, people thought that, yeah, if you do it just for a certain population and start it out small, then, uh, you know, that will have a bigger chance. But I think, you know, people that were against the, against this bill, rural Republicans and Democrats really, you know, pointed at other states that said, you know, all these states started small, but now they're spending, you know, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars on this program, uh, you know, because it just keeps expanding. So uh, I think, you know, you're right. He hasn't come out and said, you know, this is dead or this isn't going to work. But I think the fact that he has no plans of, of bringing it up, you know, committee, and like you said, anything could change. And and already this very scaled version of, of this bill with a lot of provisions that most people would like on testing, um, you know, on standardized testing isn't going through. I think it, it gives us a kind of a, a, a clear picture of, of where school choice is this session. All right, let's pause for a second and hear from our sponsors. Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, delivering quality health care to underserved areas throughout Texas by expanding vital telehealth services. Learn more at telehealthfortexas.com. And nearly 4,000 BP employees work to deliver energy in Texas. Learn more about our investment in America at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, TripCast listeners, before we continue with this conversation, I want to let you know that we'll be having a live recording of the TripCast at our Studio 919 headquarters on May 30th at 10 a.m. That's the day after the legislature wraps up signy die and we'll be talking about the session and what happened and what will happen next 
If you want to attend, and we'd love to have you, visit texastribune.org slash events. Um, a lot is going to happen between then and now, and let's talk a little bit about some of those things that can happen. Patrick, I mean, one thing when this was, when we were talking about school choice back in March, back in February, we knew this was a big priority of Abbott, but there was a lot of skepticism. I expressed a lot of skepticism on this show about, you know, we've heard from the House on this issue, what makes us think anything is going to change? We've now gone through all these different negotiations, all this push by Abbott, and at the end of the session, there still does not seem to be any support in the House for this measure. I mean, what is what is a special session going to do? What 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 moves are still left for the supporters of this bill to get it through, even if it's not, you know, before May 29th? Yeah, that's a great question. What a special session is, you know, what change anytime you call a special session on a proposal that fails during a regular session, it's it's you know, what what can you change in the in the calculus, the vote math or the the legislative strategy between the regular session and the special session? And I'm I'm really drawing a blank, trying to think about, um, you know, what, what could change between um, now and a special session, whether that special session is immediately in the medium term, in the long term, it's really hard to think um, what exactly could change. Um, you know, one thing that could change, but I don't think will necessarily contribute to the chances of success is that right now, I mean, we are ending this regular session with so many um, active priority issues still on the table. It is a very cluttered, uh, you know, very crowded space right now. The, the priority bills are all, you know, still really up in the air at the in the going into the final week, the final full week of this regular session. And so, I mean, you still have very hot debates underway about property taxes, about the power grid, about a host of, you know, social conservative issues. Uh, so, you know, the one thing that could change is that there could be a singular focus in a special session uh, on school choice as Abbott calls it, but I don't, I don't know if a singular focus on school choice um, necessarily increases the chances of it passing. It yeah. could actually decrease the chances of it passing yeah. because it gives everyone, uh, you know, more time and space to focus on fighting forward or fighting against it. Um, so it's a, it's a really big open question right now. What could change in a special session? Yeah, one thing that I think we should keep in mind as we, you know, await the possibility of a special session announcement is, is look back at history, right, and what Abbott did last session when, you know, the Democrats broke quorum in order to block a voting bill um, from going into uh, place. This was, um, you know, something that the Republicans were united in favor of, so it was a little bit different. But he didn't just call a special session and say, come back and post that voting bill uh, passed that voting bill, he vetoed the legislature's funding and, um, you know, said, I, you know, I won't do it. Uh, I won't, uh, you know, approve. You, you basically have to come back in order to, you know, preserve, get your, preserve your budget and have money to continue to function. And so I wonder one thing to watch is, will he have, have any kind of tricks up his sleeves to try to give himself more, more leverage? through that, you know, line item veto that he has in the budget or his other veto powers as well, you know, can yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he has a proven record of trying to, of using the power of his office very aggressively, um, yeah. you know, whether it's the way in which he stretched his veto authority, 
um, you know, like you said, vetoing the you know funding for the legislature. So, I mean, if I'm lawmakers, that's what I'm watching for next. I'm not necessarily watching for any new legislative, you know, like uh, any new kind of way to reconfigure the votes in the House. I'm watching for a, a sweeping executive, um, you know, power play by Abbott because we know he's done that before. I mean, that's been a through line of his entire governorship is how he's tried to capitalize and maximize his executive power. So that, that could be the next shoe to drop, or that's likely the next shoe to drop, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, the other possibility here is also just the the closer you get to 2024, the closer you get to the primaries. Is there Are there any of these opponents of school choice um, you know, from the Republican side who might see, you know, opponents popping up or, you know, money backing opponents that could pop cause them to change their mind, you know. Yeah. The, the problem there is that I think so many of these rural Republicans um, who, you know, uh, who have been standing in the way of this and in the way of Abbott's what, what Abbott wants on this. They've been through competitive primaries before. They've yeah. survived them, and they may not like them. You know, they, they you know may have been tough. They may have spent a lot of money, work harder than they expected to. Um, but they've already kind of been through the political fire on this. Uh, of course, you know it could be different if you are you know Abbott's endorsing your opponent and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars against you in a primary. But the, the you know a lot of these rural Republicans are pretty confident in their political standing back home uh, because they've just they've been through this debate so many times. Yeah. Brian, how how dug in do the, the Republican opponents to this bill seem to you? I mean, I, th I think, you know, going off of Patrick's, you know, assessment, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's I think it's it's kind of a no. Um, nothing would really change their minds or no negotiation will change their minds that this is the way to go. And, and going off of, you know, rural Republicans, I mean, the people that live there don't want really aren't in support of this issue too so it, it it begs that question too you know i think not only do they not like it they're people that they represent also don't have an interest of of this being uh have a negotiation in this or having see this pass so i think you know this coalition that's kind of formed in in the past you know decades in the house of you know uh both republicans and democrats you know um kind of standing tall on this issue i think it's still going pretty strong, even though some of these kind of the budget amendment vote showed that there was a little bit more support on, um, you know, this issue. I think there still isn't enough there. And I still think, you know, they are laser focused that th this thing is not going to pass. All right, Patrick, what else has your eye in these final, you know, 10 days of the legislative session? Where do you think the key points of tension are, the uncertainty, things like that? Yeah, property taxes remains a, a big debate. Um, you know, we saw the House pass the latest version of its property tax plan, uh, you know, this week, um, this week as we're recording this, uh, you know, and that seemed to be a dare to the Senate to say no, because it included their priority provision, which is appraisal caps, but it also included a homestead exemption that the Senate has prioritized, but went even bigger than the Senate and had a $100,000 homestead exemption. So, We'll see where that goes. You know, as I think I've said, and we've maybe we've agreed on this podcast throughout this session. It's you know, even though the property tax debate has attracted so much conflict and tension between the two chambers, it's really hard to think of them not getting something agreed to on that in the regular session, given that there is just so much unanimity 
in the legislature that that is a top issue for that bipartisan unanimity um, and agreement um, that that's something that needs to get done this regular session. So I think that's going to continue to be a big issue. May, may not be, you know, the, the toughest issue, the toughest issue, um, you know, in terms of gridlock in these final days, but certainly one to watch. Um, power grid, you know, I've would defer to our beat reporter on that because I've, I've lost the plot on, <laughs> on some of those proposals a little bit. Um, but from what I can see, you know, there, there is some movement to come together on that, but still a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, and then uh, we talked about school choice. We'll see if, you know, I, I think we never say anything's dead for, for good, but I, I do think school choice, as, as Abbott imagines it, um, is pretty dead at this point. Um, and that's going to likely be a special session at this point. Um, you know, and there's still, you know, just a number of uh, outstanding issues that I would kind of put in the second tier uh, of priority issues. Uh, obviously, a big priority of the speaker, Dade Phelan, is an overhauled version of this uh, corporate tax break program that was previously known as Chapter 313. That is kind of, you know, <laughs> arduously winding its way through the process in these final days. Um, the lieutenant governor has openly said, you know, has openly suggested that he is maybe okay with that program, only if the House is more amenable to his electric grid proposals. So we have the Lieutenant Governor on the record suggesting those could be two issues that are kind of go hand in hand at the end of session here. So those are some of the issues that I'm watching in the final days. Yeah, you know, um, I would add to that list the the university tenure and, and DEI questions in the House. I think like that is uh, an interesting one, you know, the, the attempts to get rid of tenure um reached the house floor uh yesterday although the bill that would get rid of tenure it had been kind of changed in the house and and hit a, a point of order um which uh democrats used to postpone the vote so it'll be interesting to watch those things as well what's your give me a temperature check on dade Phelan and dan patrick right now how do we feel about their relationship and their ability to negotiate through some of these uh you know, issues they might be united on wanting to take action on, but maybe, you know, at least publicly are fighting about the ways to do it. Yeah, I think their relationship is, is still poor. Um, <laughs> I don't think, you know, much has much has changed this session. Uh, maybe it's it's gotten worse. Um, as others have reported and, and, you know, we've confirmed at the Tribune, the big three, the governor, lieutenant governor and the speaker, you know, they have not had their traditional weekly breakfast at all this session. Um, looking at Abbott's uh, public schedule, he's opted for just one-on-one -on -one meetings individually with Phelan and Patrick, um, and at least up until May 1st, which is the latest schedule I saw, you know, those meetings weren't really happening that often. And so, um, you know, so I think the relations among the big three are still pretty, uh, you know, still pretty fraught. And I, I would honestly say it's it's not necessarily, uh, you know, a, a tensions just between Phelan and Patrick, those are very well documented, but I, I think Abbott, you know, you see tensions emerging between Abbott and Phelan over the lack of progress in the house um, uh, vouchers. Um, and then, you know, Abbott and Patrick, um, I don't know if the relationship is as, is as tense as it may just be a little more distant um, than previously. So we'll see how it all, you know, man, man, how that, you know, lack of relationship manifests itself in these final days. Yeah, you know, it feels a it's a far cry from 2019 when, you know, the big three were holding joint press conferences uh, over and over again or on, on issues around, uh, you know, school finance, property taxes and things like that. I don't think we've seen the three of them together publicly at all this session, unless I'm missing something. It will be oh, good. 
No, I was going to say no. I mean, you know, at the end of the session, you know, the big three do tend to individually kind of hunker down, focus on their priorities. They're not necessarily out there having a lot of events together. But even earlier in the session, we weren't seeing a lot of joint appearances or even, you know, we've seen joint statements in the past um, yeah. from big three when they've wanted to try to send a united front on some, you know, aspect of legislative negotiations. Um, we haven't seen that this session. So, um, you know, the, the the unified front, if there is one, has been pretty under the radar this session. All right. Well, lots to watch in the next week and a half. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Brian. Thank you to our producer, Justin. And thank you to our sponsors, BP, UT Dallas, Educate Texas, and the Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. We'll talk to you all next week. Tickets are on sale now for the 2023 Texas Tribune Festival, happening in downtown Austin on September 21st through the 23rd. Get your tickets by May 31st and save big. Learn more at tribfest.org.